Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Fantasy Hot Read Podcast, brought to you by FantasyHotRead.com. I'll be your host, Tyler Orginski. We are in part three of eight of our series going over each division in the NFL. Today we're going to be going over the NFC South. That's going to be the Saints, the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Buccaneers. A lot of fantasy goodness coming at you in the NFC South. We got a special guest today, Teddy Rickardson. Teddy, how's it going? How's it going, man? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, we're happy to have you. Tell us a little about yourself. Where you're from? When did you start playing fantasy? Sure, sure, sure. So I am um, actually from North Carolina, so I like to think of this as my division. Um, I know that y'all kind of uh, had your division last time, so you're still having a homer on the show. Um, and so I actually currently uh, live in Kansas City uh, by way of my wife's job, so kind of a displaced Panther fan. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football for honestly going on seven to somewhere seven, eight years. Um, so it's kind of one of those things, you know, you find fantasy or mainly it finds you and then you get hooked. You can't stop playing. Hey, we're happy to have you. Before we jump into the New Orleans Saints, when we're talking about ranks or projections here, we're going to be talking about half PPR, 12 teams. So Saints had a hell of a season, had a, a pretty unfortunate end to the season. But when you're looking at the Saints in 2019, is there a must-have player on the Saints for you? Yes, you know, honestly, I think you're going to see this, and spoiler alert for the rest of the podcast, that when you're looking at the NFC South, each team has kind of what I like to refer to as a duh player. These Saints, um, honestly, are a little beneficial in that they actually have two. The one I'm going to go with is got to be Alvin Kamara. Um, when you're looking at him, he's going as a top running back. You know, I don't hate where he's going. He's a very productive productive running back um, for his team, gets a lot of touches, a lot of involvement, and he's involved in the pack, passing game. So when you're looking at somebody that, you know, is your RB1 and, honestly, a team's wide receiver two, it's very hard to pass up on that value. Yeah, Kamara, I always talked about Le'Veon Bell with his time on the Steelers, where you're getting a running back one and a wide receiver two. When you're getting that kind of value, you're looking at a top three guy, hands down. The guy might not be getting the crazy volume that a workhorse back like Zeke gets, but he gets it done in the air so well that, you know, he's he's got to be one of the most talented backs in the NFL. Definitely agree. So a little bit, you know, not as straightforward as Kamara. Let's talk about Latavius Murray for a second. A lot of people are pegging him to take over this Mark Ingram role, which is traditionally, you know, churned out a top 24 performance in itself. Do you think Latavius Murray has it in him to, you know, take over that role for Ingram? Or are there going to be some other players sprinkled in there? Honestly, I think there's a possibility of it. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as, cool, you know, as defined as a two-headed monster as it might have been. For me, looking at the Saints season, I honestly think it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show whenever it comes to the run game. You know, obviously he's not going to be on the field every single offensive snap, but, um, you know, I think Latavius Murray's going to get some carries, maybe involved in the red zone, you know, just kind of in those short yarder situations. But with how good Alvin Kamara's been, it's going to be hard to take him off of those field in those big moments. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I, I do think that Sean Payton doesn't want to ride Kamara as a workhorse, so there are going to be some carries left over, hence why they signed him to a pretty decent contract. The one piece that gives me a little bit of, um, you know, I wouldn't say hope, but makes me excited about Murray, is if you look at his job in the red zone, Murray's been a great red zone back in his career. He's got a better conversion rate. He's been more efficient than Ingram. So I think there might be some opportunity for Murray to take some of those goal line carries and also just spell Kamara in general. Murray's currently coming off the board at RB34, so he's more of the RB3 range. But historically, you know, 
the Saints have been a pass-heavy team, but lately the Saints have really focused on the run. So taking a peek at this right now, in 2018, the Saints ran the ball 47% of the time, so seventh highest run rate in the league. And then in 2017, they ran 45% of the time, 10th highest run rate in the league. But before that, you had never seen them run under Sean Payton over 40% of the time. So it seems over the last two years, there's been this focus and shift to really want to run the ball. So I think with that, there is going to be some value with Latavius Murray, specifically as maybe a low-end RB2. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously it kind of depends on where he falls in your draft. Obviously, if you're in probably after the sixth, seventh round, definitely take a look at him. But, um, you know, for where he's going in drafts, for my money, it kind of depends on how your draft is going. Absolutely. Not to mention he's an elite handcuff. I'm not always really big in – you know, True. taking handcuffs, but when it comes to an elite handcuff, he's going to be one of the top ones. So, mm-hmm. but you're also paying for it. Very true. So, let's move to Drew Brees. You know, he's a prolific Hall of Fame quarterback. No questions there. He finished last year as the QB six. He's coming off the board at QB nine. What are your thoughts on Drew Brees? I, when I look at Drew Brees, you know, obviously from listening to the podcast uh, that you have before, you look at players. You know, who's the kind of the biggest fade? For me, it's kind of hard to pinpoint one on. The Saints, you know, but which is tough for me to say as a Panther fan. But, I mean, if you're looking at Drew Brees, he threw a shade under 4,000 yards last year, 32 touchdowns, five interceptions. Obviously, I think he's going to, you know, fade with eight with, you know, another season under his belt. But from where he's going in, in, uh, in drafts, you know, I think that there's still value there. Yeah, there, there is some value there. But my big thing at Drew Brees is, is a couple things. One. You know, he's at 16th in his past attempts in 2018, which is right in the middle of the pack, which is traditionally a lot lower than he has been. And he had five games last year under 14 points. So he's not becoming a very consistent option. And then looking at his home road splits, it kind of reminds me of the the Big Ben thing that people have been talking about for years. He was only a QB one in two of his eight road games. So it seems as though Breeze, you know, isn't an every week start. And for a QB nine, I don't really think I'm willing to pay for that. Fair point, fair point. Let's move over to Jared Cook. What are your thoughts on Jared Cook? He just got signed at a huge season in Oakland. It seems as though there's some pretty optimistic people. How do, what do you feel about Jared Cook? I think whenever you get to play fantasy football, there are certain hills that you're going to die on. And mine, even though it's probably going to be wrong, is I'm looking at Jared Cook, who finished top five for tight ends last year. When you get past, honestly, like the top three in the position, it's honestly almost a wash. You kind of have to find value where you can. I'm buying Jared Cook this year. Obviously, it kind of depends on where he's going in your draft, as everybody. But, you know, for tight ends, 7 to 10, kind of in that range, I think he's going to be owned. And if he fell to me, honestly, I'd be fine with it. See, I have Jared Cook outside my top 12. The one thing that gets me about him, or the couple things I should say, is that we have a pretty long – there's a long history of Jared Cook. He's no spring chicken. And – he hasn't really been that successful. I mean, last year he set his career high in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. You know, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that again. And I think a real reason why he was able to do that is, one, he was the top receiving option because there was literally nothing in Oakland. And two, Greg Olson, the OC, has had a history of really feeding the tight end position. And although he's going to a better team with a better offense and a better quarterback, I'm not exactly sold. I, I'm not going to say he's going to bust like Kobe Flaner did, but I do think there's this element of like, oh, the Saints signed a tight end. It's Drew Brees. He's got to succeed. So I, I don't really think I'm going to own much Jared Cook this year. Fair, fair. 
Let's move along to the wide receivers. Talk to me a little about Michael Thomas. How do you feel about this guy? I mean, if they can get a deal worked out with him, I feel great about it. You know, it's uh, I think when you're when you're kind of researching, you know, for your fancy drafts, obviously you're keeping an eye on the situation. There is positive takeaways though. At this point, I think they are actually, you know, not necessarily nearing a deal, but they're actually more on the same page than some other people in contract disputes. So there is, I think, a solid, very solid chance that he does get his extension, get his money, and he will be on the field game one for the Saints. And he's honestly, like, he's going to dominate. Defenses know that he's going to be a big target. Obviously, they have to keep an eye on Kamara, but he's going to get his volume. He's going to get his points. He's going to produce for you. Uh, He's easily going as a top four wide receiver in most drafts. And honestly, if he's there at the end of round one, beginning of round two, definitely give him a look. You, you said it all there. You said it all. So he, he's a top five guy. I'd be totally okay taking him at the end of the first. Is there any value to be had with other wide receivers? We got young Traquan Smith. We got old Ted Ginn. Are you going to be owning either one of these guys? Yeah. So they're kind of on the end, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, whereas their careers are, you know, with a lot of people thinking that Ginn might be looking more as just a deep threat only, or maybe even a return specialist if he can continue, you know, finding his hands. Whereas Traquan Smith have a lot of people have very high hopes for, for this season where he is, you know, going to be kind of in his sophomore season, but looking for increased relevance in this offense, more volume for me, Maybe a late round flyer on Traquan. I mean, he's going as a like almost out of you know wide receiver fifty five past that wide receiver sixty range. Um, so maybe a late round target. Maybe your you know last one before you draft a kicker or a defense just to kind of stash and see what happens. Um, if you leave both these guys on the waiver wire, doesn't bother me. I think you're fine. I might just hit the little flag button and keep an eye on what Traquan's doing. I'm with you on that one. The only piece I'd add is that, you know, I'm owning a little bit of Traquan Smith and some best balls, but, you know, in redraft, I'm really not loving either one of them. Is there any other Saints you want to talk about before we move along? Really, the only other fantasy-relevant ones that I'm, I'm really keeping an eye on is uh, their defense is still going to be pretty solid, um, and uh, Will Lutz, their kicker, should have a pretty good year if, you know, for those of you that are, are uh, paying attention to those rankings. Will Lutz, great kicker. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move along to the Atlanta Falcons. Finished last year 7-9, a little bit disappointing. Who's your must-have player on the Falcons? I mean, it's got to be Julio Jones, you know. Um, Obviously, you'd like to see, as a fantasy owner, to see him be more involved in the red zone uh, offense. We saw a little bit of that last year. But in an offense that's still – I think we're going to see a different offense last year – or this year than we did last year, and I think that's going to benefit Julio um, but it's if you're looking at who you want to have for the Falcons, it's got to be Julio Jones. Yeah, Julio next year is going to be my wide receiver one overall. He's the guy that I'm looking forward to draft at the end of the first round. And I think a lot of that has to do with the return of Dirk Cutter. It's a unique situation because a lot of teams are going to get new offensive coordinators, but we don't really know what things are going to look like. But with Dirk Cutter, he's already been there for three years, so we have a little bit of idea of how things are going to look. So. The three years that Cutter was in the on the Falcons as the offensive coordinator, they were top eight in pass attempts, top seven in passing yards, and top 12 in passing touchdowns. And in my opinion, he's coming back to a better offense than what he had before. So for those reasons, Julio Jones, to me, has a real chance of breaking out to be the wide receiver one. You know, he's always been up there as the top one or two as far as yards go. His touchdown category has always been a little lacking, but, you know, I think that can, they can find its way around. So, for me, Julio's a smash pick. 
Do you have any interest in Calvin Ridley or Muhammad Sanu? So Calvin Ridley is actually going to be my candidate for biggest fade for this team solely because if you're looking at rankings or results from last year, you're going to be drawn to his double-digit touchdown mark, and that's probably what's resulting in him being, you know, having such a positive um, ADP right now. But if you take a look at those double-digit touchdowns, he had three in the same game and six came from the first four games. And on top of that, he only had one game where he had 100 yards receiving, or at least 100 yards receiving. So he's not, I don't think personally for me, that he's going to return the value of where he's going in drafts right now. I think there's definitely a chance he's going to, so you shouldn't, if you have him now or if you, he's, you know, he's on your board, you shouldn't have regrets or anything. But for me, I think he has some spotty um, production last year, and I don't know if he's going to return that this year. I'm really with you on that one. I mean, the touchdowns, they got to regress. And he's coming off the board at wide receiver 23, and that's just too rich for my blood. Looking at last year, Mohamed Sanu actually had two more targets than Calvin Ridley. So, you know, I expect Ridley to surpass, you know, Sanu this year, but it's not like he was this, like, clear-cut wide receiver two on the team last year. He just had a couple big touchdown spikes. And right now, Ridley's off the board at wide receiver 23. Sanu's not even the top 60. Sanu's finished a top 35 wide receiver the last two years in a row. Now, this isn't me telling you, the listeners, to go out and draft Muhammad Sanu. You know, I think he's a pretty safe floor, but there's not really any upside there. But I, I don't think the difference between Ridley and Sanu is wide receiver 23 and wide receiver 60 and beyond. So I'm not going to be owning any Calvin Ridley this year, especially at the wide receiver 23 price, when I can get guys like Alshon Jeffrey or Allen Robinson. Definitely. Let's move over to the running back situation here. What's your take on Devonta Freeman? So we are entering the Devonta Freeman show in Atlanta. Um, so we have seen, when it comes to the run game, obviously, um, we have seen him put up some big numbers. Obviously, he does not have Tevin Coleman um, in his role anymore as he has joined a confused backfield in San Francisco. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see kind of what role they have Devonta Freeman play. Um, obviously, a lot of people will say, you know, we got to look out for Edo Smith. For me, I don't think he's going to really eat into his touches that much. And as you mentioned, you know, with Dirk Cutter, they were a very pass-heavy offense. Obviously, Freeman's still going to run the ball. Um, he's done well in the red zone, which given the chance. He does get bit by the injury bug. You know, last year he was very limited. He also kind of gets uh, visited by, by some fumbles every now and then. But for me, I think he's poised to have a good year. For where he's going in drafts, I think I could buy in. Yeah, he's coming off the board at RB16. I actually have him – I keep putting him between RB8 and RB9. Like, to me, I think he's a bona fide RB1 this year. You know, looking back at his history, 2015 – I mean, 2018, he was hurt, didn't play. But 2015, he finished the RB1 overall. 2016, he finished RB6 overall. In 2017 – he was RB13 overall while missing two games. Yes, there's some injury concerns, but I think that's currently baked into his RB his ADP at RB16. And I think if he plays a full season, he's destined to finish in the top 12. And like you mentioned, you know, I'm not the biggest Tevin guy, but I don't think that Ito Smith is any threat to move to you know work into Freeman's time whatsoever. So Devonta Freeman's been the kind of guy where he doesn't need this elite volume to become an elite running back. And I truly think that he, in a 16-game season, is a lock to be in the top 12. And he's also uh, can be featured in the pass game as well, which will be able to help. He's not just strictly a, a runner on the ground. For sure. 
Let's move up to Matt Ryan. He's coming off the board QB6 in the seventh round. Will you be owning any of Matt Ryan? Matty Ice. Uh, you know, he finished QB2 last year, and so it's really hard not to look at that value. Um, but then again, where he's coming off the board, I think, honestly, I wouldn't be upset if I had Matt Ryan. And, you know, what we talked about, everything with Dirk Cutter, the new, they're returning to the scheme where he's been very, very productive. I think he is poised to have a big season. Um, if he, you know, was a late-round draft pick for your quarterback, you could obviously do worse. Um, if you're one of the people that take quarterbacks early, I don't know why, but, you know, some people do. Um, you could look at taking Matt Ryan because you think he's going to have a lot of passing attempts and they're going to hopefully be a better offense. Um, for me, I tend to like quarterbacks that do damage on the ground as well as in the air. So I'm personally not buying Matt Ryan this year, but I mean, if you are, do want to buy him, I don't, don't blame you at all. Yeah. So over the last three seasons, no fantasy player has more fantasy points than Matt Ryan. That's insane to me. And then, you know, looking at another little fun stat is in Dirk Cutter's three years with Matt Ryan, Atlanta never ranked lower than second in neutral passing rate. So they're still throwing the ball when the game's close. So, I mean, Matt Ryan, for all the reasons we talked about and that, like he's posed, he's poised for a huge year. But like you, I'm just not an, an earlier mid-range guy like who's going to take these quarterbacks in that range. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. I'm not all about it. You know, if Matt Ryan fell to like the ninth or the tenth, yeah, I'll, I'll swoop him up. But if you're telling me I got to pay an early seventh round price for Matt Ryan, I'm likely going to pass. And let's move along to Austin Hooper. What are your thoughts on Austin Hooper at tight end? This one's going to be tough for me. As we kind of mentioned with Jared Cook, you know, once you get past that upper echelon or even tier two guys for tight end, there's going to be a lot of boom or bust potential, you know, where you have guys that are going to give you a touchdown in like 60 yards one week, but then might not even have a catch or might maybe be limited to a catch for like 12 yards the next. And I think Austin Hooper kind of falls into that. Um, again, kind of coming back to the pass-heavy offense we're expecting from them, I think there's he's going to have opportunities to make plays. And, you know, obviously he's been with Matt Ryan, so obviously they have that chemistry already. So there's not going to be having anything new they're going to have to form like you'll see in some other offenses. So I think – if he's going to, if you're a kind of person that, you know, honestly might forget about taking a tight end or you're, you know, taking them late, Austin Hooper's going to be there. If you leave him on the waiver wire, obviously just keep an eye on how they use him um, and just kind of, you know, keep track of what he's doing throughout the year. Yeah. If the current value is coming off tight end 14 in the 12th round, he finished tight end seven last year and I'm projecting more passing attempts and a better passing offense. So at that tight end 14 price in the 12th round, I'll be owning Austin Hooper. But I, I know he's one of those guys where I think he's going to have some dud weeks, so I'm not overly excited. So at tight end 14, sure, I'll take him. But, you know, I'm not going to love the idea, and I might be kind of thinking of backup situations if I'm looking at Austin Hooper as my tight end one going into the season. Oh, God, I just got chills. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's move along to your Carolina Panthers, man. Who's your must-have player? It's got to be run CMC. Um, this this kid has just been impressive impressive since he's gotten to Carolina, and I just it, it, I just it's hard for me to tell say that he's going to get better, but I just for some reason expect that he's going to get better. You know, whenever we talked about Alvin Kamara, I mentioned that you know he's not going to be on the field for every single offensive snap uh, that the Saints have, but Christian McCaffrey does that. Last season, he played 100 percent of the offensive snaps in eight games. 
this is insane. And if you don't, and just to show how insane it is, from 2015 to 2017, it only happened seven times total. And he passed that in one year. So obviously for me, as a fan, I'd like to get him off the field a little bit so he doesn't get hurt. But as a for fantasy usage, you've got to get your hands on Christian McCaffrey if you can. So let me just ask you this. If you have the number one overall pick next year in redraft, who are you taking? In a .5 PPR league, the way things are in Dallas right now with Zeke, it's, I mean, I, obviously I think I'm blinded by fandom, but I, I'm not going to lose sleep if I take McCaffrey. I don't think anyone's going to lose sleep with getting that guy in your team. He's an yeah. absolute stud. I, I really got nothing to add. Everyone knows it. The guy's a top four back, locked in. The volume's there, especially in any kind of PPR. He's just he, he's going to catch 100 balls. That's probably what's going to happen. So you can't ask for more than that out of a running back. Let's move along to Cam Newton. What's your thoughts on Cam Newton? He had the, the shoulder injury. He started the year hot last year, but ended it terribly. He had the surgery. It seems like things are okay. You know, what's your outlook on Cam Newton heading into 2019, Teddy? You know, with his ADP, I don't know if it's just because people fell in love with him on All or Nothing that aired for the Carolina Panthers from last season or what it is if they're just hope, you know, hopeful coming off the injury. Obviously, as I mentioned, I love quarterbacks to get stuff done on the ground and through the air. With his injury history, I'm still worried about the amount of hits that Cam Newton takes in a game. Obviously, he likes to scramble. The Panthers did add some pieces to the offensive line. It's not going to be a huge overhaul uh, that's going to, you know, obviously keep him untouched, but I am worried. I am interested to see how Norv continues, you know, Norv Turner, the offensive coordinator, continues to use him if he's going to let him run, if he's going to try to be more cautious. Um, I think he has a very high upside, and I think his kind of like, you know, where he's getting drafted uh, right now is honestly good value for him. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to be buying Cam Newton this year. I'm with you. I got him as my QB five. He's currently going as a QB 11th in the ninth round. And we're talking about Cam Newton here. This is a guy who's been a top four quarterback in five of his eight NFL seasons. When you're looking at a later quarterback, you want to be looking for upside and no one has had a demonstrated has demonstrated their upside like Cam Newton has in his career. If this guy plays 16 games and he stays healthy, you're looking at a top five quarterback almost certainly. I know there might be some concerns of him scaling back his red zone looks. That's okay. He's still got a good arm. He's still going to throw the ball a lot. He's still going to be running. So Cam Newton to me at QB 11, I'm buying that all day. And another reason I'm buying Cam Newton to segue us into the wide receivers is I think that Cam Newton arguably has his best set of pass catchers in his entire career in Carolina. What do you think about that? So, spoiler alert, someone else is going to have to catch the ball other than McCaffrey, <laughs> okay? Um, obviously, we have Devin Funches that left for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, looking at DJ Moore, you know, he really didn't, you know, get involved in the offense until, like, the, the latter half of the season last year. For where he's going right now, um, kind of a mid uh, or an early 20s ADP, I don't love him to be your wide receiver one. Um, obviously, like, if you're – you can obviously use him if you um, if you go running back, running back in the first two rounds. If he's there in the third, you can be okay with it. I think he's going to get volume and he's going to get opportunity. And that's kind of the same thing with Curtis Samuel as well. When you're looking at uh, you know their wide receiver too, they're going to get fed the ball because Cam is going you know enjoys throwing the ball because he's got a rocket for an arm. Um, when you're looking at you know where DJ Moore can finish, I think he's easily a top twenty to twenty five receiver. Um, so there's definitely value there. Curtis Samuel is a big sleeper for me um, because, you know, currently he's getting drafted in the later rounds. I think 
If he's there, might as well take a shot at him, see how he's used in the offense. If you're one of the people that kind of like um, watching the preseason games, training camp, just pull up some videos of, of he and Cam Newton connecting on some uh, very deep balls, and you'll, you'll get pretty happy with your draft pick. Yeah, so DJ Moore is currently coming off the board at wide receiver 25 in the fifth round. So at that value, it sounds like you might be owning a lot of DJ Moore. Oh, for sure. If you can get him in the fifth, I'm, I'm, I'd draft him. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm with you. I think DJ Moore, you know, we're looking at Kelvin Ridley, wide receiver, coming off the board at wide receiver 23, who's the wide receiver two on his team. Or you can get DJ Moore, wide receiver 25, you know, same round but later than wide receiver one on his team. So I definitely am looking at DJ Moore, but I personally am with you on that idea that Curtis Samuel is a sleeper because DJ Moore is coming off the board wide receiver 25. Curtis Samuel is coming off the board wide receiver 44. That's a 19-player difference. I don't think that's indicative of their skill levels, and I think they're a lot closer when it comes to what they bring to the team. More, I don't think they're on the level of Thielen and Diggs, but when you're looking at, say, Thielen and Diggs, they're really close in skill level, and I think that's how close DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are. Yeah, I think it's definitely a possibility. They're both the thing with both of them is they're very versatile wide receivers, so you can put them in a lot of different places on the field, and I think it's going to confuse a lot of defenses. Yeah, while DJ Moore presents a value in the fifth round, I'll be owning a lot more of Curtis Samuel because you can get this man in the tenth. Oh, for sure. And then let's move on to Greg Olson. I'm sure you got to have a, a soft spot for this guy, but there's been no doubt that he's battled his fair share of injuries. What's your take on Greg Olson? My hope as a fan and as a potential fancy owner uh, is that he plays better than his likeness or than he looks in Madden 20. Uh, you know, with the likeness they gave him, it's just awful. And I think that just kind of shows you uh, how far from grace Greg Olson has fallen. Um, if he can stay healthy, I think he's got a solid, you know, place in this offense. He's reliable. Um, you know, he and Cam have a great chemistry. The only problem with me is just, in recent, if you're looking at recent history, I don't, I don't know if you can make the argument to draft him as your starting tight end. I, I would be very worried if that was your starting tight end. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that I'm not looking to pick as a starting tight end. But I think if he gets off to a hot start, there's a chance that he finishes in the top 12. You know, I, I think it's strange. In the past years at tight end, you're seeing these kind of older established tight ends go in the middle rounds. And now these like older guys like Greg Olson, Delaney Walker are now being had beyond tight end 15, which might present a little bit of value. Like, I don't think I'm going to draft Greg Olson because not really going to carry two to tight ends. You got to take him in the 13th round, not really going to look at him, but you know, he could go undrafted and he's a guy that, you know, if things start turning up in the first couple of weeks, he's a guy I could be bidding on with my, with my, uh, you know, waiver wire bids because he he's proven he can done it. He's done it. He's got a connection with Cam Newton, but I don't know if I'll be drafting him. For sure. And then on the off chance or, you know, probable chance given his recent uh, seasons that he does unfortunately get hurt again, Keeping on Ian Thomas as well. You know, he's filled in uh, the last season, you know, when Greg Olson went down. He and uh, Cam have, you know, another season under their belt together. I would be surprised – I would not be surprised if Ian Thomas, you know, has a more defined role in the offense and a, you know, larger role, obviously, if Greg Olson does go down, unfortunately, again. Any other Panthers you want to touch on? You know, not really for me. Previously, I would have said their defense, but honestly, their defense kind of worries me for right now. I'm not really touching them. Um, honestly, it might not even be good to look at them as a streamer. Um, nothing really much in the kicking department. 
environment, even though, you know, Graham Gano is probably going to hit another 60-something yarder, and, you know, that's awesome. But for re uh, reliable fantasy stats, you know, I think we pretty much covered everybody on the Panthers that I would even, you know, think of drafting. Let's move along to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Finished last year a disappointing 5-11, and 11, but they bring in Bruce Arians as a new head coach. Is there a must-have player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for you, Teddy? I mean, it's got to be Mike Evans. You know, it's everybody, um, you know, it's seeing how good he's how good he has been. He's getting even better. It didn't matter if he had Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him or Jameis Winston, who's going to be his quarterback this year, you know, for now at least. Um, he's, uh, you know, perennial top 10 wide receiver. He always seems to find a way to get stuff done. If you're looking at where he's going right now, I think it's in the latter, you know, seven to 10 range for wide receivers. Um, if you can get him in the second round, you know, I would definitely take a look at him. I would definitely not reach and take him in the first. Um, you're looking at probably a mid to second, early third, and I think there's definitely value there. Yeah, I mean, Mike Evans has had at least 1,000 yards and five TDs in each of his five years in the league. I mean, you, you can't ask for much more consistency than that. You know, there are some things that get me really excited about the Buccaneers offense. Um, for starters, Bruce Arians is coming in. You know, he has traditionally been a head coach that emphasizes the passing game. I think that in the past, his past six seasons as a head coach, his team has passed the ball at least 60% of the time. You know, five of those six years, they the his team's finished top 15 in pass rate. And then on top of that, the Buccaneers were sixth in pass volume last year as it sat. So it, it seems like there's a perfect marriage of, hey, coach wants to throw the ball. This is a team that's going to throw the ball. Their defense might be one of the worst in the league, so they're going to have to throw the ball to keep, yeah. them, keep, keep up. So it seems that it, there's this perfect storm. Oh, and then let's not – I don't want to talk about the running backs just yet, but there's not a lot in the running back department <laughs> when we're talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks. So it's like all these pieces are coming together to where it's like this could be a prolific pass offense, mm -hmm. but that rests on the shoulder of Jameis Winston. And what is your take on Jameis Winston? So with Jameis Winston, you know, he finished roughly around QB 21 last year, but that was splitting time with Ryan Fitzpatrick, or as I've called him previously, Ryan Fitzmagic. Um, currently, he's going, you know, later, like if he's even going in drafts, it's very late. Um, I definitely would not be wanting to start Jameis Winston to start uh, your draft, like, you know, week to week. He could be a good sleeper depending on who they're playing, as you mentioned. I think everybody's expecting their defense to be very, very bottom of the league. So they are going to be on the field a lot, and they're going to need to throw the ball, which helps him. Um, I'm interested to see how he works with Bruce Arians' scheme um, and just kind of seeing exactly um, you know, how much he can produce this year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one for me. Like I haven't been able to really peg where I want to put Winston. We talked about all the reasons, but on top of that, Jameis Winston, we're talking about Mike Evans' top 10 wide receiver – Godwin, he's going as a top 20 wide receiver. Going to Howard, he's going as a top five tight end. Like, if you're, if these guys are producing at that level, this quarterback has to be a, a yeah. QB1. Yeah, and then looking at, <laughs> yeah, and then looking at last year, I think Fitz, Fitch Magic, and Winston, if you kind of melded them into one super QB, they would have finished last year as the QB2 overall. So the opportunity is there. It is all set up for it to happen. But is Jameis Winston going to rise to the occasion? You know, I, I can't say that confidently. Right. It's it's just tough for me. So I, I'm not taking him as a QB1. You know, I might like him late, see how he does. But I also have a couple guys dialed up on the waiver wire, ready to go. Because if things went south with Winston, I would not be surprised. 
Very true. So we talked about Evans. Let's talk about, you know, the next wide receiver on the team. It's going to be Chris Godwin out of Penn State. He is catching a lot of hype right now, going as the wide receiver 20. He finished as wide receiver 25 last year, didn't get a ton of play. So the wide receiver 20 seems like a possibility. What's your take on Chris Godwin? Honestly, I'm a big fan of Chris Godwin this year. I like his projections. I like his You've got Deshaun Jackson gone. Adam Humphreys is gone. And there's just a lot of opportunity for him, and he's a very reliable wide receiver. I think last season he was um, in the top five in – um, or like, you know, limiting drops. So like he, he, whenever you threw it to him, he caught the ball. And so if you're looking at, as you mentioned, the opportunity, how much they're going to be on offense, if he can handle the wide receiver two duties and, you know, being that second guy, you know, playing second fiddle to Mike Evans, which I think he can, um, you know, I think honestly, he's going to have a stellar season. Yeah, I've um naturally I find myself to be a little bit of a contrarian. I'm usually on the side of, you know, let's, let's fade the hype, but I mentioned that he was wide receiver 25 last year. He's only going off at wide receiver 20 and 38% of those targets are vacated. There's 234 targets on this offense up for grabs with the departure of Humphreys and Djax. So as much as I, I just can't find myself fading Godwin, I like him, you know, in the fifth round as a wide receiver too. You know, I think the hype's worth it with him. Oh, for sure. Do you think there's any value in another wide receiver there? They got Brashad Perryman, who's been up to this point a bust. There's been a little bit of hype around Justin Watson. I mentioned all the targets up for grabs. Do you think there's going to be anyone else that's going to emerge there with any fantasy value from the wide receiver side of things? I think there's a chance, but I honestly think it's it, from what I'm looking at now for their season outlook, it's going to be one of those times where you're kind of forced to make a ridiculous decision on some crazy bye week that you have, and for some reason it's going to pay off that one week. Right. So yep. I think there's definitely opportunity for everybody, you know, in those secondary uh, wide receivers you mentioned. I think that Brashad Perriman actually could present a good target for um, Jameis Winston. And I think he could actually take some red zone looks away from him. Obviously, you've got O.J. Howard, who's going to be a big factor. So it's obviously not going to be anything that's going to carry over week to week. But I think that of everybody there, um, I think Perriman maybe, but if there's no reason for you to draft him. I'm with you. So let's move on to OJ Howard. He's coming off the board at tight end eight. There's a lot of hype. I mean, I think everyone's pretty set on the top three guys, Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, but it seems like the consensus is OJ Howard's locked in the tight end four slot. What's your thoughts on OJ Howard this year? He's my tight end four. You know, I, I can't really come up with a reason why he wouldn't be. You know, obviously they do have Cameron Brait as well still for um, being a tight end, but you know, Howard finished as a top 10 tight end or top 12 tight end last year, but only played in like 10 games because of in injuries. So I'm looking at him to finish very high. Um, and I think that, as we've mentioned, they're going to be on offense a lot. They're going to throw the ball. I think he and James, I think he, if you're looking at the games that he played and James played last year, they were very successful. And so I think that continues over this year. And I'm, I'm buying some OJ Howard. Yeah, O.J. Howard's 11.8 yards per target in 2018 ranks the second highest mark of all time among tight ends who saw at least 40 targets. And then you add in, you know, Bruce Arians and that high-flying offense. Like, the, there is a, you know, like we said, there could be a lot of pieces that come together that vault O.J. Howard into that top five. So I'm with you on O.J. Howard. I don't know if I'm going to pay a fifth-round price for him, but if he falls to, like, say, the sixth round, I'll definitely be swooping him up. 
Respect. And then the and then the last piece, a little bit less exciting. What's your take, <laughs> what's, what's your take on these running backs here? Like it, it is one of the most unsexy running back rooms I could think yeah. of. What do we do? What are we doing with it, Teddy? So man, somebody has to run the ball. Okay, like someone's gonna have to stand back there. And so if you're looking at basically what I'm looking at, you've got three options. Really two, but I'm throwing in three. So you've got Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones the second, and Andre Ellington, who they brought in. Andre Ellington does have some history with Bruce Arians, but for those of us that remember, he was the running back that David Johnson kind of vaulted whenever he started taking off. So I don't think there's a ton of confidence in Andre Ellington. I think he might just be there as like a, well, somebody's got to stand back there. Um, So I think you're looking at the running back battle between Peyton Barber, Ronald Jones. I don't think, I mean, take a late round flyer on one of them, honestly, if you want to. Um, for me, I'm looking more at Peyton Barber. Um, I know some people are more Ronald Jones fans, so it really just kind of depends on your fancy preferences. If anything, it is going to be a very late-round pick for me. I'm not going to be obviously looking at either player or even using him as a bi-week fill-in. Yeah, I mean, you like Ronald Jones is coming off in the eighth round at RB40. Peyton Barber is coming off the board in the tenth round. I'm just going to be looking at other guys. Like, I, I guess if one of them fell – I might look at them, but, you know, I'm not going to be paying eighth round and 10th round price for these guys until unless something happens, you know, in the preseason where one clearly establishes themselves as a starter. It's just not interesting to me right now. For sure. Definitely agree. Any other Tampa Bay Bucks you want to touch on? Uh, nothing. I think we covered all the big ones. Obviously, we talked about how bad we think their defense is going to be. I don't even know if they know who's going to be kicking for them yet. So don't worry about that. Um, so I think you're good with the guys we talked about. Awesome, man. So that's going to do it for our first segment going over the NFC South. That's going to move us along to our second, much shorter segment of the podcast. So what's going to happen here is we're going to do a 20-question fantasy rapid fire. And we're going to have our lead fantasy writer uh, at Fantasy Hot Read, Dominic Petrillo, join us. Are you here, Dom? I'm here. Dom, that's great news. So basically, Dom's got 20 questions fired up about the NFC South. We're looking for a one-word answer, just the player, not the analysis. Dom, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, start here by uh, thanking Teddy for coming on here. Hope you had a you know, great time doing the show. It's been nice listening to you and everything. And I actually do like Peyton Barber this year, and I would take him in the 10th round because if you can have a starting running back in the 10th round, why not go for it? Uh, with, with that said, let's go for some 20 <laughs> questions here. I'll see if I can remember them and uh you ready to get started yeah man let's do it to it all right who's your quarterback one this year in the division uh give me matty ice matt ryan all right who do you think is gonna be the quarterback that's most overdrafted in this division oh drew Brees. all right who is your running back one in this division i'm a homer give me mccaffrey all right what player whether it be running back or not is gonna have the most rushing touchdowns in the division let me take Kamara. All right. Who is your most overdrafted running back in this division? Over uh, anybody on Tampa Bay. <laughs> All right. Who is your favorite sleeper running back in the division? Latavius Murray. All right. Who is going to be your wide receiver one in the division? I'm buying Michael Thomas. All right. Who is your favorite sleeper wide receiver in the division? Oh, God. Uh, Curtis Samuel. All right, who is your favorite tight end in the division? Who's going to be your tight end one? Uh, give me O.J. Howard. Who, if if there is one, since it is the tight end position, who is going to be your favorite 
sleeper tight end? I'm dying on my mountain, Jared Cook. All right, sounds good. Who is your favorite sleeper defense in the division? I know a lot of people like the Saints, but they're not really a, sleep, a sleeper or like a streamer, but who's your favorite streamer? Oh, God. Um, if you have to go past the Saints, uh, give me the Panthers. All right, who do you like? Who's your favorite kicker in this division? Uh, Will Lutz, for sure. All right, sounds good. Yeah, you don't like the uh, fact that Atlanta plays 13 of their 16 games inside domes this year? I mean, Tavecchio has a like pretty much the best environment schedule that you have, but I just think Will Lutz is going to get a lot of opportunities to kick. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Who is uh, your favorite? Who's the person in this division, no matter what position, that you want to leave the draft with? Run CMC. Give me McCaffrey. All right. Other than quarterbacks, who's going to be your highest scoring player in this division? Uh, McCaffrey again. All right. Who is your uh, favorite rookie this year? This is a terrible question for this division. Oh, my God. There's <laughs> If you look at the rookies, there's not that many offensive ones um, that are fantasy relevant. Give me, oh, God, Q Allison from uh, running back from Atlanta. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Deep, deep, deep cut there for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, who is your most overhyped player in this division this year? Calvin Ridley. Cal- I agree with you there. All right. Uh, last couple questions, and I actually have a couple of bonus questions that I thought that I thought up for you that you don't even know that I have for you. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, one word to describe the fantasy players in this division. Uh, I'm going to go hyphenated, lacking depth. All right. Yeah, it's definitely top heavy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our last question here, if I remember it, is all right, one player that this time next year uh, you're going to be talking about him? Uh, DJ Moore. All right. And actually, I did think, think of the last one. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I'm blind, so I'm not looking at these things here. But <laughs> the last one here is if everything hits right for this player, they're going to be a monster. If he stays healthy, give me Greg Olson. All right. And two bonus questions for you. Uh, there is a right answer to this one, and I'm going to try and be non-biased. I know you grew up in Carolina, oh, and now you live in Kansas City. Uh, if you had your choice of only eating one for the rest of your life, of your life, would it be that shitty Carolina barbecue or the <laughs> awesome Kansas City barbecue? Carolina till I die. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's pretty sad. And uh, <laughs> obviously, you grew up in Carolina, and now you live in Kansas City. Uh, if they met on a neutral field, who is going to win? Or should I say, how many points is Kansas City going to win by against the Panthers? <laughs> the Tyreek Hill is going to torch the uh, Panthers secondary. There's no stopping that man. No, they, uh, the Chiefs would win by at least three scores. Now, would those be touchdowns or field goals? Oh, touchdowns. All right. Patrick just just, terrorist just making sure. No, yeah, you're good. <laughs> So I think that I think we got all the questions in there. I even added in a couple of bonus questions for you there. So uh, yeah, it was good having you on here, uh, Tyler. You back on here? Oh yeah, I'm back on here. I, I appreciate that. For the for the record, I would be going Carolina barbecue as well. Oh yes, you're, you're both wrong. I'm sorry, I can't help. I mean, I'd love vinegar, but not on barbecue. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for that, Dom. I appreciate you coming on. And Teddy, hey, thank you so much for taking the time, letting uh, Dom grill you with those twenty questions. <laughs> Um, any parting words? Uh, no, man, I really appreciate y'all having me on. This has been an insanely awesome experience. If you ever need a, uh, Panther Homer on again, you know where to find me. And where can they find you on Twitter? 
Uh, so really, it's, you know, I don't really post anything super exciting, but it's just at A.T. Ricketson uh, on Twitter. And so uh, that's where you can find me. All right, Dom, parting words. Yeah, it was great having you on here. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll be seeing you around. I'll be, you know, messaging with you on Twitter. We've been going back and forth a little bit on there about some of my fantasy takes. So, you know, we'll keep doing that. And it was great having you come on. And we'll, you know, definitely hopefully have you on again. And Dom, Dom, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at EnvisionFF. Follow this man. All right, Dom, you're the man. Teddy, thank you very much. You can find me at FFTylero. That's all we got today, folks. Don't forget, tell somebody you love them. Later. Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name, I've got a name Like the singing bird and the croaking toad I've got a name, I've got a name And I carry